This podcast goes out to all those fathers out there, those that want to become fathers, those that are new fathers, and those that are seasoned in fatherhood. Let's go. Time to step it up and be a role model. Do the best you can. Keep that hand on the throttle. It starts with the will. Guidance will continue. Different shades of dad because the dad lives in you. Welcome back. Welcome back to a brand new podcast. My name is Odian from Lighter Shade of Brown, a.k.a. Robert Gutierrez or Reverse, however you want to say it or see it or read it or call me. Just spell my name right. <laughs> we are coming to you live from my trailer right now, right? Like literally, guys, I am in my backyard and on the side, I have a little trailer parking and it's where I park my RV. Well, my travel trailer, as they say. So, yeah, this is what we're getting because it's the only place where I can get some privacy right now because, you know, I got a house full of um, teenagers right now. But my wife's my, my daughter, Layla, is having a, a sleepover right now with her friends. Just a few of them. You know, I mean, don't get crazy. It's not a lot. Um, and then my son's running amok with his cousin, Delilah. So they're all in there right now. So I said, man, what better place to go to than to the trailer? And the garage is way too uh, cold right now. And not only that, my wife has transitioned, if you really want to know, from our office to where we shared uh, spaces. She moved her crafting stuff out to the garage. So that's all discombobulated right now. So right now, this is what you get if you're watching. <laughs> and uh, this is my background, these uh, old school brown blinds back here. But uh, one time for the brown blinds. <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. Um, great show, as always. I want to introduce to you a homie of mine. Um, we go way back. I mean, this was even before I was married. Yeah, we. I met this brother at, uh, I want to say he was doing, he was heavily involved and still is in the community. And I believe he was doing a fundraiser for uh, some of the kids, some of the youth. You know, and I'm all about the youth, as you know. And I love to come in, you know, I love coming out to events and showing support. And, you know, I think it was for a b-ball uh, tournament. It was called Hoops for Homeless. Anyways, uh, he's from Fontana, California. He's a dad, father of three. Let's bring him in right now. And, of course, a hubby to a beautiful wife, Kareem Gangor, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Salud. Technology, man. What could you do? Uh, what people don't know is that off air right now, like before we got this whole thing set up, it took me like an hour to try to set up because your camera is looking, it's like putting me to shame right now, bro. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. I'm in my trailer. I mean, you're in the home, like right there, you got me beat. So I got to invest in some new cameras. I got these cameras here because I want to go live, you know, on YouTube and they get a little bit pricey. And you know what I'm saying? We in a pandemic and I don't should have to explain everything to you right now. Yeah. All good, bro. You look good, man. Thank you, boss. So um, I was uh, explaining to the fam. The family right here, the audience, how are you and I, we met years back and I was telling them, explaining that you worked for uh, uh, well, City of Fontana, obviously. You have so many, which we'll get into, so many titles underneath your name. Yeah. I mean, you've just, I've seen you grown through the years, but <laughs> when we first met, let's go back to what, really quick when we met, you were doing Hoops for Homeless. Remember that? Yeah. So, uh, that's funny. You bring that up, man. Uh, I think that was in 2011. Um, and actually I worked for an organization called think together and I did after school programs. And, um, one of the things that I was looking to do to inspire 
children and the youth is to activate them and get them involved in service. And so um, the team at the time had this really good idea to say, wait, why, why don't, how, do, how about we put them into a service project, but also get like local people that they uh, would appeal to them to activate them to do service as well. And so we decided to do Hoops for Homeless, which was uh, a basketball game where we invited local, um, you know, influencers to be engaged. This is before like being an influencer was really a thing. Right. And we had like audio push. We invited you, uh, 99.1 to come be involved. And we also had Frankie J arrive uh, at one of the games. And the whole idea was that um, to get in, you had to bring school supplies. And so um, right. the idea was, was to bring, to highlight uh, homelessness and youth uh, throughout San Bernardino County. And so we were able to do two games. We partnered with the homeless education program at the um, San Bernardino County superintendent's office. Right. And we're able to get some supplies and backpacks together to give to youth that are homeless and, um, you know, don't have the resources. Right. And, and, uh, that was how we met. And then our friendship kind of just took off from there. Before you knew it, I was your best man in your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so awesome, man. And I'm, you know, let's go back to, uh, I always start off with your upbringing and I always curious to know, because that kind of, you know, leads to how, what kind of, uh, you know, father role you're going to be, um, later on yeah. in life. Obviously it starts at home that they say, so mm -hmm. your parents, where, where were they from? So both of my parents are from uh, Belize, Central America. It's a third world country. Um, right below Mexico, um, right next to Guatemala and Salvador. And they came here in the 80s, man, just trying to pursue better opportunities. And so um, I'm the baby and I have an older sister and uh, they came here just to um, create better opportunities. What opportunities I did have here in, in America. What was it like uh, once you were born, your sister, you know, do you remember like uh, how far back do you remember growing up? Like what was what was uh, what was it like in your household? You know, it was just the four of you, right? Yeah. I, it's, it's funny. I had this conversation with my mom uh, the other day. She came down to hang out. And uh, I remember up to four years old. And what I remember vividly was this big, big yellow Oldsmobile that we had that <laughs> my dad just really was proud of. It was like, that was our, you know, you think about American dream stuff. Like that was a big deal um, because it exemplified like, you know, I'm, I'm making, I'm making my way. And so I remember just back then we lived in a uh, two bedroom apartment in, in Fontana. Um, and I remember, you know, everything about it vividly um, just because it really represents, you know, kind of the, the work ethic and kind of building your way, um, you know, in this country and then kind of figuring out, you know, building blocks. Right. And that's kind right. of what, what I could recall vividly. You know, we weren't we weren't wealthy. We, they were I mean, they've always been working class and. Just those memories really, uh, really, really paint a big picture of, 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 of how, you know, hard it is and how also humble it is to kind of come from those upbringing. For sure. So you had one car to get around the family. Yeah. Okay. And with that car, your dad would go to work. And uh, yeah. what, what did your dad do? So my father actually just retired, thankfully, man. Um, he actually worked for Big Five Sporting Goods. Um, he was there for, I think, probably almost 30 years. Um, and he worked his way up, man. He worked his way up as, as somebody who, who was a warehouse and then ended up becoming a supervisor. And, yeah. um, and, and thankfully, you know, his career progressed over time and he just got better at what he did. Uh -huh. um, and, and it worked out. And then we were able to, to get out of there and kind of, you know, grow, grow our family. 
So you you had all the baseball gloves and you had all the bats for free. <laughs> De- Pops was sliding them out the back door. Mijo, what do you need for your baseball team? I got the whole squad. Dude, that's that's the, but you know what's fascinating, man, and this is interesting because I think of it as a dad now, is that I would I would always be embarrassed because I didn't have the latest Jordans, the latest Nikes, the latest things, but my dad had a big five discount. Mm. And so we would get our basketball and all of our equipment from Big Five. Yeah. And I'd be like, nah, that's not, you know, that's not appealing to me because as a, you know, I was young and impressionable and, you know, listen to hip hop. Like I wanted the, the more expensive things, man. And it's fascinating now as a parent to realize, okay, that stuff was good. Right, <laughs> I wish right. I still had that discount because I pay, I mean, you know, you know, our kids are in sports. It's expensive, man. It's not Absolutely. cheap. And, and I value more of their sacrifice then than ever because of how crazy it is. And I, and now I know it's not easy to raise kids um, and play sports, <laughs> you, you know? You, yeah, no, I heard that for sure, man, especially Elijah being in T-ball right now, four years old. And well, not yeah. now, but when, before this whole COVID thing took place, I was like, okay, cool. All right. that much. But then, you know, it just gets more expensive as they get up because yeah. there's just so many, you know, not keeping up with the Joneses, but I, I mean, there's the bag, there's the baseballs, there's the bass, there's the T, uh, you know, he's a, he's in yeah. T-ball. So the, the, the net that you hit and like all these things, you know, uh, yeah. come into to play when, when you, you know, you're, you're, you're teaching them how to play the sport and then there's basketball <laughs> and then you got to get yeah. a hoop and then it's like, yeah. it's crazy. Um, Hey, you mentioned you were listening to hip hop at that time. Uh, a young, what did your uh, did your dad yeah. frown on that, or your mom? Did they ask like, what is this? So the funniest thing is that one of the first tapes, and I don't mean to like say this because you're one of my best friends, but we had um, the lighter shade of brown tape with on a Sunday afternoon, and on the reverse side was La Cucaracha. So it was funny because <laughs> they would allow us to listen That's to right. La Cucaracha. <laughs> And uh, but it was interesting growing up because, you know, I, I think naturally as children, you want to rebel against your parents or maybe just like have your own individualism. So right. um, what I always rejected was my culture, man. And, and my parents would always play our um, my parents would always play our cultural music uh, from Belize, which is, you know, salsa, merengue, punta um, and, uh, you know, uh, this other music called Garifuna, which is more upbeat and Ooh. fun. Um, and also you gotta so introduce me to this music, bro. Like I've yeah. never heard of this. Also the salsa, it's, merengue. Yeah, it's, it's dope, man. And, and I, I value it more as an adult. Cause I'm like, man, this is really powerful. What is representative of my culture. But I was just like really appealing, more appealed to hip hop and rap and R and B. And a lot of it's cause I had an older sister who was always so into that and influence too. Right. So we were always like, you know, buying those tapes and, and trying our best to kind of, keep up with that culture. Cause it was what was appealing. You know, we went to public school and so all of our friends were kind of into that culture, you know, and right. I played basketball. So, you know, it, it was uh, completely, you know, hip hop impressionable culture there too. Was your, um, I know your dad, you mentioned he, so he worked at big five, so he would go and come home, um, in the same night or, uh, you know, he wasn't on the road is what I'm saying, working. So he was there yeah. for you. Uh, and did you mention your mom worked? Yeah, mom worked full time just as well. Um, they both actually worked in warehouses um, and were able to build a, a really good career um, out of that. And um, yeah, so so mom and dad were working equally as 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 much, man. If not, so who who was watching the, the kids? Who were watching you and your sister? So we'd be in school and then we'd come home. Uh, my sister's four years older than me, so sometimes she would have to fill in. Right. Uh, we 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 had uh, family 
friends that sometimes would fill in. Uh, but as we got older, we kind of just watched ourselves and uh, my parents would just coordinate to figure out, you know, how I would get to school, how my sister would get to school and then how, you know, how we would ensure that we had some somewhere safe to go after school. All right. They always made sure, though, that you had a safe place to go to. Right. And yep. yeah. Stay with you. I mean, obviously, they're just not going to let you go with anybody, especially yeah. <laughs> nowadays. It's yeah. so crazy like that. I Yeah, man. I, I, I think this now as a parent, I mean, thankfully, I have a, a wonderful partner, Christina, who uh, fills that void right and ensures that and, and is able to be with our kids full time. But I just don't know how you do it. I don't know how two parents handle it and, and take care of their children in today's landscape. And so, yeah. I, you know, I'm just very fortunate, man. I, I can't, you know, say that enough. When you were growing up, did you have chores? Like, what were your chores? Uh, and who were they placed by? By your mom or your dad? Uh, it was mostly my mom. And the chores were endless, man. It was trash. It was clean your room. It was uh, clean the restrooms. Um, every Saturday, we had that one song that my mom would play loud in the house. And it was, <laughs> we knew, we knew, we knew that morning. And it was right after Saturday cartoons, man. We knew it was time to to get to cleaning. A lot of that, man, is, is, um, my parents just really pushed us to be responsible and, uh, mindful of, of the home, right. Everyone needs to contribute yeah. and also to ensure that we did our schoolwork. That's what's up. So they were on you just like that white on rice. I Ruben, my primo, I had him yeah. on a couple of podcasts back. And he said the same thing. Yeah. He said, man, as soon as I heard that Mexican music on a Saturday, my mom was either cooking <laughs> or she was cleaning. And it yeah, was that time. Man. It was just that cue. I was like, man, that's crazy. That That's an awesome memory to you know, remember about your parents. I think it's like very important to impression those type of skill sets and responsibility on them yeah. just so they build that idea that, you know, everybody has to contribute. Everybody has to have a meaningful contribution to the home. Right. Um, and it creates that sense of belonging. And, and it's also, you know, just ensuring that when they grow up, they just don't carry those bad habits. You know? <sighs> That's awesome, bro. I, Cause yeah. I've seen other families like that you know, where they have a structure in the household, like this, this is, it is what it is. This is what you do yeah. on Saturdays during the week. You go to school, you come home, you clean, you make sure, you know, your room's clean, your homework's done. Then boom, on the weekends, we're cleaning and you're not going to go nowhere yeah. until it's done. And it's usually <laughs> done by, by noon. Right. Yeah. Like with my kids, I call those uh, the fundamentals. Like if you can, if you, if you just need to handle the basics, man, if you're able to get the basics, then you can focus on the socialization on the extracurricular activities. But if you can't, handle the fundamentals it's like that's that's a problem where we just have to figure out how do we get it done um and it's more collaborative than as opposed to like you know just just trying to like discipline the discipline i think there has to be some method of like responsibility and self-responsibility to ensure everyone's working together man because one thing i learned like as a parent is that you need everybody on the same page to raise right. these kids right you need grandma you need auntie. I mean, it's a village bro yeah, it, yeah, for real. And it's coaches and it's your peers. It's your best friends, right? Coming in and not, you know, de you know, deflecting from what you're trying to impart. And so that's kind of where um, I think it's, you know, it's kind of wholesome in that regard. Hey, you ever get in trouble when you're a kid? It, I mean, I'm sure all <laughs> kids did. But what's one memory that you have that just like sticks with you to this day? And it, it's so bad that maybe you won't even tell your own children about it. Man, what's funny is that you wouldn't imagine, and I know we've been friends for a long time, but I'm very outspoken and very opinionated. And yeah. so growing up, that kind of got me in trouble, man, in grade school. And so um, in, in high school, I got, uh, I didn't get suspended, but I got uh, reprimanded uh, because I had called a teacher something. I, not, it was nothing derogative. Yeah. It was just like more 
said in crass and uh, the teacher didn't like it. So she reported it and, and I got uh, in trouble uh, by the basketball team. I was a varsity player and they removed it from the basketball team. My mom gave me a good smack. Um, and Based and off that was, one comment, they kicked you off the team? Yeah, because it was about character. And that's one thing I really valued about my high school experience and the coaches that I had. Right. Uh, John Romanoli and Richard Roper is that they were really impressionable about these five pillars. Okay. And they were like, man, if you're not representing us in the light that we should be represented, like it was about professionalism. And I was just being a payaso, man. I was a class clown. Like even to this day, I still have some of those um, those traits. But in that moment, man, I think I was a, a sophomore. I was actually a sophomore. Um, right. And uh, it, it taught me a good lesson, man. It taught me a lot about character and how you represent. And my mom would always say, you know, if, if you do it as if you do it at home, then you do it at school. And so she so she was very impressionable about home life being more uh, controlled about how we behaved uh, because she didn't want us misrepresenting our family uh, out in the world. You know, it was always like when we go out to see friends, it was like, don't run around their house. Don't don't right. break things. Don't. Don't take what's right. not yours. Because that's ask. a reflection of, of your mom and dad. Like, whoa, what kind Correct. of kids are we like raising here? Or are you raising <laughs> here? Your neighbor's looking at your mom and dad. And that's what yeah. you don't want. I, I get it. Get and that's it. kind of what I, I, I take with me as a value system with my own kids now. It's like, you know, when, when Preston Raven and Janera at your house, they're not going to be running around, breaking things or right. making messes and not picking up. Right. And it's like, you know, you represent us, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of the ideology we, we use a lot. So you went uh, junior high, high school, and then uh, you graduated uh, from Fontana? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> oh, my God. You break my heart, Fredo. Was it the rival? So I went to, yeah, man, that's my biggest rival. Uh, I went to A.B. Miller High School. A.B. Miller. Okay, yeah. one time for the A.B. Miller shine. Why? I know, man. My bad, oh, homie. Man. I didn't know you Talk back then, so I didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, man. There's where you met your wife, Christina, right? Uh, we met after um, high school. So she did go to that school you just mentioned, which I won't name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we met afterwards. Um, I, I was working. So before I met you, I was working in after school programs in Fontana. Right. Um, and I was actually overseeing um, a school called Alder Middle School, which is pretty well known in Fontana. It's, it has a lot of history. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's where we formally met. And um, then we started dating and the rest is history, man. I think it's been approximately 12 years now, man. Five years married. I mean, before we go further into your relationship and your marriage, I just had a couple questions before you got into married, you know, married life. Um, some of the qualities of, of child development are what well, we, we talked a little bit about that, that your dad had on you and your mom. What about like the simple things? Cause a lot of people out there, there's, there's different types of love. There's a physical love. There's a verbal love. There's just, uh, there's loves that are, that are by actions. You know, some people say it. What, what kind of love did your parents, you know, apply to you? You know what I'm saying? Like, how, how did they express, you know, their love to you and, and how to love someone? That's a, that's a very good question, man. Um, and actually, my parents are really interesting with that because my mom was the lover, the hugger, and the person that gave you like the, the, the wholesome Latina mother experience where she would kill you with words, but then cook a good meal, uh, make sure you're, you had everything you needed to be successful. Um, and so one of the things that I, I kind of uh, could touch back on is like 
uh, once I got to middle school and high school where I wanted to be more impressionable, I did want the fancy clothes. I did want to be more appealing to my peers. And so my mom would buy me things. She would buy me the Jordans, buy me the fresh Tommy Hilfiger, the Nietzsche, the FUBU. And then my father was actually my coach a lot of the time. Uh, But as I got um, more um, better in basketball, he would, he would do it by, he, he would show his love by showing up and then kind of like, like um, giving critique about how I could be better. And he would always share these, like these aspirational um, like concepts, man, of just like reaching, reaching for higher, being better and, and feeding that to me, man. And, and of course he was more stern um, and he was very direct with his type of um, like, like parenting. Uh, but my mom was the soft one, but my mom was also the one you didn't play with because right. she would go off on you at any minute. So <laughs> I think if I could like be more like simplified, mom would buy me things and dad would feed me um, inspirational, like, like um, statements and things like that. There's a balance right there. And I think that's a perfect team right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that you need that balance that, that is so dope. Like, you know, you, you, it's like here, my wife, you know, Elijah trips, hits himself, scars his knee up. Who does he run to? Mama. <laughs> but when he yeah. wants to go out there, I'm the one that's there playing with him before he, right before he, dam- yeah. you know, he damages his knee because he's doing, you know, kids get cocky and they get overconfident and they think that they can just conquer the whole world. They, they learn something new and it's like they try to, you know, push their limits. And, and that's the same dynamic here as a parent, man, with, with Christina and I. Uh, we play off each other, man. Um, I, I, of course, I'm the father. So traditionally, I'm a little bit more um, of the disciplinary figure. And she's the one coming in, you know, being the softer presence. And it's it's interesting, I guess, to look at that even from like a leadership perspective. Like who's like, you know, the, the, the one that's implementing like the policy of the house. And then who's the one actually managing the house. Right. Um, and, and, and finding that, that balance. And I always look back at my parents, they've been married 30 plus years now. And I'm always like, how did they balance that relationship? And then also be with us. Right. And, and that's something I want to recreate for my own family. Um, and something that I see that you are also doing with your family too. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, you know, show that partnership, um, you have your TV show. And so your kids are going to have forever have that Memories. experience of, 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 of parenting. Right. And so it's, it's, it's fascinating, I guess, to pull from everyone's story and figure out how do you become a good parent and how right. do you become a good father Well, that's um, what in, I, this, uh, in this world we're in. I mean, and that's why I take, I take from everybody's situation and I learn, mm-hmm. you know, I've always yeah. been that way. I'm always a visual, visual person, hands-on. Yeah, yeah, granted, I gotta. You got to make your own decisions. At the end of the day, it's your family, your household, and it's your children yep. that you're raising. And not everybody's, you know, children are the same as yours, and mm-hmm. vice versa. We all don't think the the same, but it's it's good to get, you know, perspectives. And that's why we do this yeah. podcast, man, because I, I love to share. I mean, hey, granted, a little older in the game, OG, but I'm only <laughs> five years as a parent, bro. So like, yeah. uh, I'm still freshly new, and and I got young ones, and. Man, I know you're going through something right now, the teenagers with uh, your oldest Ray, and and uh, every it seems like every month is is something new, and you're learning, you're constantly learning. That's why <laughs> I always refer yeah. back to well, what would have my mom done in this situation, or how did she handle this? And like I've yeah. said before, sometimes I'd go that route, but sometimes I would just nah, maybe not. You know, since since I am a man, I, maybe I, I'll you know approach it differently because I'm raising men here. A man, yeah. a boy here, you know, and it's just, it's just different. Were you ever afraid though, or 
not meeting your, your parents or your dad's expectations, so to speak, you know, like maybe he held you at a higher, you know, a level. And then like you always, you know, cause there's sometimes children, they, they try to meet up to their expectations. Maybe they, you know, they, they their parents want them to go to college and they're, they're afraid of failure. Or, yeah. You know and, what I mean? And that's, yeah. And that's, I think what guides me, man, is that my father set high expectations for me, man. Um, and a lot of it's because they came from a third world country and were like impressionable Von, like we came here for you to have a better life. Um, and so I guess as the, the male and the, the young son of the home, a lot of the, the dreams and aspirations were imparted upon me. Right. Like I think fathers sometimes get into the mindset of like, okay, I couldn't do it, but my child's going to be able to do it because I could provide that much more. Right. And so my dad was always really adamant about me becoming an attorney um, about me going to college. And so I knew like as a child, like it was not a question. Um, and so even though I'm not an attorney, you know, I have my master's degree, I'm getting my doctorate. Um, I still like in my brain, man, and, and it's crazy to say, but I still have aspirations of becoming an attorney. Um, mm. and I serve on a state committee where I oversee the, the, I the, see that bro. Cause you, y'all ass love you know? to argue, man. I mean, I, <laughs> I could tell you that. No, bro. I could definitely see that, man. And and speaking of, I yeah. mean, outside of family, like, bro, you've held so many titles since let's, let's go back to your education. So you graduated and uh, from maybe Miller yeah. and then you went to college Oh, UCR. Yeah. Didn't you go so, to UCR? So right after high school, I got into the school called Concordia. Yeah, I went to Concordia University, Irvine for two years. And then I transferred to UC Riverside. Um, in 2017, I started up at Cal Baptist University to get my doctorate in public administration. Um, and I should be finishing up, man, hopefully in three months if everything goes according to plan. And you've been serving the community since, uh, I, at least I can remember, back when we first met. And then... Um... You know, you've always been involved with the community hoop. Was that something that your parents pushed? Is that something that you took, you know, a passion, a desire for? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, man, is, is um, and actually, I think it runs in my blood, man. Um, just being um, from my parents, going back to my parents' village where they grew up at, um, really help each other out. Um, during um, my childhood, I saw them help others. And so it really became more valuable to me as I became an adult to like help people. Um, and also, you know, just, just give them a little bit of, I don't know, man, like, like just to give back. And so um, I had a, you know, a mentor when I was um, graduated, when I went to Concordia University, Irvine, I had right. someone who was really like, Hey, you need to serve your community. You know, you need to like give back. You need to, you know, this is, this is a part of your culture. This is how you need to uplift your people. Um, and that's kind of how I got into service, man. And so when I got back, um, I used to, I used to actually do work in, um, in, in Compton and in, uh, Dominguez Hills mm. where I would do, uh, remedial education for at-risk youth. Mm. And, um, that kind of inspired me to get into after school work when I moved back, um, into town and went to UC Riverside. And right. then I, I have a career of just, of just serving, man. I've been on a planning commission Right now, I serve at a state bar. Um, yep. And a lot of it for me, man, has been about um, having us at the table. And not really like us, like as in a particular demographic or, you know, gender or anything. It's just having community. And, and community is diverse, man, in itself. And so it's understanding that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And so a lot of the things that we've lost or not have had access to is partly because um, we just haven't been at the table to advocate for our needs. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about. And that's kind of why I got involved in education. I got my degrees and um, why, why I work um, in public service. 
That's awesome. And then, uh, of course, you're a loving husband to Christina, yeah. and you've got three yeah. beautiful children. Janae Marie, of yep. course, your youngest. You got Preston, and then you got Ray. And yeah. um, where, where, where are their ages? Let, let the audience know. So, so the eldest is 18 years old. Uh, my middle one is turning 11, actually, I think in two weeks. And then my uh, baby girl, she's actually six years old, man. But dang, I think she's turning 18 too, man. The way she be acting. <laughs> you know how it is, man. You have a, a middle teenager in the home. <laughs> Layla's cool. I can't complain because she's so shy. She's so reserved to herself. I cannot complain about it. In fact, I'm complaining like you need to be outspoken like me, damn it. Like, you know what I mean? You need to, you know, but uh, no, she. that's just me because that's all I know. Yeah. I'm a ham. You know, for the most for part, sure. I, I can't complain with her. You know, she keeps her grades up. She yeah. clean, keeps her room clean, her bathroom clean. And, you know, yeah, you know, they can always do a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? Around the house, helping mom out and so forth. And whether it's dishes or just little stuff, she's a good girl. Um, yeah. Elijah, he's become the middle child now. Um, but yet he's the only boy. So that worked out. And of course we got baby Amaya, who's, um, our little newborn miracle. And speaking of miracles, brother, like let's talk about, you want to, you know, shed some light on Janae, uh, Marie, your baby uh -huh. girl, you went through, a uh, kind of like a, a, a difficult pregnancy, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's something that we shared openly and some that we embrace. Uh, this cause it's kind of our story. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, so Janae came early at 33 weeks through a placenta eruption. And it was, a, uh, I mean, anybody who knows about placenta eruptions are kind of like freak accidents. And so uh, she, she was born like nearly half dead. Um, Christina was also losing a lot of blood and, and also, um, you know, was in jeopardy too. And so um, it, it, you know what I mean? She, so basically when, she, when, when the placenta abrupted, um, Janae was taking in all the fluids, all the blood, um, she was kind of drowning, um, mm, you know, poor baby, inside. Man. And so, yeah. Yeah. So when she, when she was, um, they did, I mean, it was crazy, man. We were at the hospital. Uh, Christine didn't feel good. And then we, and then they said, all right, you're good. And then within a couple hours, she, Christine just didn't feel good again. And so, um, we went, we rushed and, you know, the baby was born uh, by emergency C-section. They had to pump her out. And I remember vividly, man, I remember the doors like flapping, right. You know, you are, you watch the movies like John Q, you watch ER, you see all the dramatization. But, right. Um, it's very real, man. Those sounds, the people, you see people running in and out and you don't know what to think or how to feel. Right. And so, um, she, she did go through a very difficult, you know, beginning of life. Um, and Christina, you know, thankfully has also, um, you know, made it through, but, um, we, we, we have our, you know, our things that we're, we're coping with, right. Like she, she has her disabilities, um, and, and we're adjusting to that. And I think that's really shaped my my fundamental belief to parenting and also to humanity um just thinking about it like you know my daughter's condition there's no fault of her own it's literally a freak accident right. but the world isn't isn't created for people that have those needs and so we've been um you know just trying to do our best to normalize it um she spent up to almost three months in the nicu Mm -hmm. And then she needed a follow-up surgery. So she spent a couple weeks in the, I remember you were posting like, the journey. You were just like there by your wife's side. And she was just like a trooper bro day and night, like zero sleep every yeah. single day. And, um, yep. God, I, it was like, it was yesterday. I remember that. Yeah. It's, it's very real still for us. I guess, um, Raymond just had a, um, uh, appendicitis and, and man, moms are just, I, I think, I think moms in general are just superheroes. Cause they spring into action. They devote themselves and they do all above all. And as men, our job is kind of like to be the support. 
right. to be there as well and to fill, find, fill the void and be there as well. Just because of the emotional trauma, you know, when we experienced that whole thing with Janae, it just created a lot of trauma, man. And, and, uh, I don't like to hear beeping noises. I don't like to go to the hospital because you know, <laughs> it just has that, that very traumatic experience, man, where I was there for three months, man. And my wife didn't, didn't leave. Christina did not leave. I would leave work, go there, um, and then come take care of our other two kids. Um, and then try our best to kind of manage the household, man. And, and whatever that was. And, and the thing I'm most grateful for is we have a very phenomenal support system. Yeah. So I can't imagine not having that network of support. You know, just having friends like you or, you know, like my parents or my in-laws that were just there, just, just, you know, spiritually, um, right. just really, just, it helps, man. And, and I know sometimes when someone's in a crisis, you're like, I don't know how to help you. I don't know what to do, but even just having the solidarity and the positive, just being there, someone cares, right. It uplifts, it uplifts you, man. And it, cause it's all mental, man. It's all, um, when you're going through those crises, it's really mental. And I was thankful that I was going through a, my, my master's program. So I was able to like, look at this, like, all right, this is a crisis. We're going to get through this. This is how we're going to get through it. Um, and thankfully we did, man. And my daughter is six years old. She's, she's, she's turning 18. I feel like very soon she's so bossy, yeah. uh, but she brings a lot of joy, man. And yes, I think does. that's the, the positivity in all of it. Beautiful, beautiful little girl right there. And how are your uh, sons with, with her? Uh, uh, she controls them, bro. <laughs> she owns them, dude. What? It's fascinating to think how a little six-year-old could really have the power over her, her older siblings. But she's also the baby girl, so she yeah. demands a lot, and she controls a lot of the household. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, they love her, man. And I think what's most powerful about it is because she has uh, disabilities, they have a different way of understanding their peers like like uh, the other day one of my friends came over and he asked hey janae what's wrong with your leg uh, and janae was like oh that's my bad leg but preston of course intervened and was like oh she, you know he told the story kind of in a more simplistic way right and i think it's just it's just a little bit more um you know for me as a parent and as a father it's like that's that's what we want compassion we want caring and we yeah. want thoughtfulness you know because it's like you know she she has feelings you know what i mean and she's going to experience that in school of people just looking at her differently. Do you talk to her like that? Like already what to expect or are you having those conversations with her about the, you know, not, not yet. Really? It hasn't, hasn't, it hasn't become an issue that we've encouraged, but Christina is very adamant about like giving her um, a lot more. Uh, how do I say it, man? But giving her a lot more confidence, right. Um, letting her know she's beautiful, that she's not, you know, something else. Right, sure. Or, than who she is. Right. And, and I think she's very intentional about that. And for me, I speak to my kids openly, man. I, I really try to feed them a lot of aspirational stuff. So I do that foundationally as is. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't talk to her like babyish. I talk to her um, very, very like she's an adult, you know, I ask well, her questions. That's funny because my next question yeah. is, is do you still discipline her as you do? I mean, I don't know if it's the same. I mean, I read somewhere in an article, like, you know, uh, you should obviously treat your children the same when it comes to discipline. Yeah. Um, how does that fall into this situation with her? Yeah, it's difficult because that's something that we always keep in mind because um, basically like biologically, she's just not the same um, where she's missing a part of her brain because of the, uh, the impact she had when she was born. And so we keep that into consideration. Yeah, we get frustrated. We find ways to kind of like, you know, uh, diffuse the frustration. Uh, but we try to redirect her behavior as much as possible. 
try to and, and i think what's funny though it, that you bring that up is that we try to do everything we can to play offense so she doesn't like have behavior issues or that she doesn't have outbursts we figure out what words we could cannot say in front of her right. what things we cannot do what places we cannot visit because uh kids who have sensory um issues um basically they they have different things that trigger them and so you have to be mindful of those triggers because something that triggers me and you like maybe a bad facebook comment or something i'm just being you know just just hypothetical yeah triggers that's a different way but something for her like saying um passing mcdonald's could could trigger her in a different way too because the way the way she's um her brain is this design it's just not you know as, as similar as triggering as her into would, as far you know, as like i want to go there had, and i want to go know, there now if some yes exactly yeah or if you go to target i mean you better be ready to buy multiple toys to appease her because that's all she knows like no i want this now and if you don't give it to me now, it's going to be a very elevated scream and it's going to be kind of embarrassing in public. And those are things that you just have to get comfortable with, man. Well, that's awesome. And I know your wife, she's not on here, but she's a definitely, you know, beautiful wife, mom as well. I, I see the caring love that you guys have both yeah. the support system you guys have for your children. You could tell they're what raised well. I mean, your kids walk into my home and they go up to every single person and say hi, yeah. you know, and I know you make it a point to do that. And that reminds me of my mother, how she would, you know, say the same thing. Like you got to you address the room when you show, you know, when you show up and when you leave, you say bye. And, and I still do it to this day. And me, I'm trying to instill that to my, my kids, but yeah. it's like, don't comprende. And I mean, like, what's up? Like Liza's <laughs> a little bit better. Layla, like I said, I got her a little bit late, late in the game, you know, cause she's my stepdaughter. Yeah. Her thing is she's just shy to go up to anybody. Yeah. But I, I think it's for the most part it just shows respect, man. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. And my father was big on that, man. Respect is like huge. And it's acknowledging someone's identity, right? Like when you go and greet someone, you're acknowledging them as like, we're here together. Right. And I, um, I, I'm just greeting you. It's a salutation. Um, right. But I think it's also, you know, as I become a father more and I, I have a baby girl now, um, I'm also mindful about boundaries too. So helping them understand the comfortability if they don't feel right, like how, how we can make them feel comfortable, or maybe if it's just something they don't like to do, then yeah. it's, you know, something that, you know, we have to work on together and that's fine, you know, but I think a lot of it is if it's self-reflected and it's discussed openly, you kind of find a way of, of building consensus, right? Where mm -hmm. your children will eventually grow to be able to have those hard conversations with their children or their peers. So what, what's your final thought like on that? Just under, just listening to your children. I think a lot of the times we impression and impart our um, ideologies on our children. And sometimes they're the greatest teachers, man. And if you just take a step back and just listen, um, it might be opportunity for you to learn something more as a parent. You know, that's, that's interesting. You say that. And I think that you pointed that out because a lot of parents are like, you know, Hey, don't do that. You know, they're yelling at their kids and it's like, why? Because I said, so, well, that's not an explanation. Yes. You have to give a reason. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for everything. And, I think yeah. some parents are so prideful where you don't deserve my explanation. It's because I told you not to. That's it. I was reading something earlier today and it was on, on child development on, on a three-year-old. The three-year-old picks up the spoon or starts eating with his hands. And the, the father says, well, don't, don't eat with your hands. You know, use the fork. And then and the child starts eating with the fork and then goes back to his hands for some reason. Cause you know, and then he, he tries to discipline him the dad and says, well, next time you pick up the fork, 
you know, uh, or, or next time you, you eat with your hands or something like that, you know, you're going to get in trouble or for, for whatever reason. And it's yeah. like, well, you have to explain why, <laughs> you know what I mean? Why are we using for, or furthermore, I show them how to use a fork. And I think there's where, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the void is they're missing, they're missing right there. That whole communication. Yeah. And you know, what's fascinating. Um, oh, is that I, I think of this about leadership styles, right? I think about it, about like, if you go to your workplace and your leader just tells you just do this because I tell you to do it, you're less yeah. likely to do it. Right. But if your leader goes in and says, Hey, we're all going to do this. We're all going to sacrifice. We're all going to, you know, do this together collectively. We want to show unity. Like imagine how much more powerful that conversation is. And so sometimes like we, we get into these narrow areas where we don't want to detach from our views and then look at how we, we might be impacting our others outwardly. Right. And don't look at it intrinsically. And so there's that disconnect sometimes as parents that we do, maybe we're tired. Maybe we just had a long day or irritated, or maybe we just haven't been approached on it. Like maybe that wasn't the right way to go about it. And that's something that I think having a good partner really helps out with because Please believe, man, I get checked daily by my wife if I'm out of line or if something's not within line. I have someone there to operate as that like, hey, like that wasn't cool or, right. you know, maybe you should do this. And that's and that's another uh, side of leadership of, of just listening and, and being mindful. That's that's so humbling as well when your partner tells you that. And um, I, I think that's why it just works when you got somebody on the same page and. Another thing is interesting about parenting is kids, when they get older, they'll go to one parent, you know, it's, it's how the saying goes. And I, you know, that one parent says no, and then they'll go back to the other parent and they'll say, well, what did your mom say? You know, well, he said, no. Okay. Well, we're on the same team. <laughs> so guess what? Yeah. No, but then you get, you know, certain situations where one will say yes and one will say no. And then it just kind of overminds the other person is like, yeah, I told him no for a reason. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel it, man. I mean, it happens in the workplace. It happens at home and happens at schools, man. So it's just that consistency, man. It's open communication and just having that ability to, to, to be able to just listen, man. And yeah. that, that usually takes things a long way. And that's what, and that's something that I think is helpful for all of us, you know, as humans, how do you discipline to each other? How do you discipline your children if, if they've done something wrong? Um, wrong, I mean, it could be, a, that's a whole level wrong, but it could be like, uh, well, it could be something as simple as if you ask them not to do something, then they do it. You know what I'm saying? And they do it a third time. I mean, does it get to a third time? Yeah. What do you do about it? Yeah, it, it varies per incident, man. Uh, we, we, we definitely try our best to kind of like be mindful of, of the situation to just ensure that we don't go to the extreme all the way. Um, I remember vividly, man, I was actually uh, on a coffee break at work and um, I was telling one of my coworkers about an issue that I was having with my eldest. And I was like, man, I just have to keep disciplining him and talking to him. Um, and, and, you know, I just, he, he, he was, you know, in school, he wasn't performing well, you know, uh, in soccer, he wasn't doing his best. And, and uh, this guy was there for jury duty randomly in this coffee place. And he was like, Hey man, like I have five, I've raised five boys. I just want you to know, like, don't, don't look at every single situation because then it loses its value. Like if you look at the big things and you guide them through the small things, um, you'll, 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 you'll have a better relationship with your son. And I think that kind of transformed the way I view discipline yeah. um, and ensuring that not everything is an issue, man. Like not, these aren't, I mean, you're raising like human beings, not robots. And so you can't smack their hand every time they drop 
something you have to just you know remind them this is not how you know it's it's all about the value system reminding them and then encouraging them to do better right because like i said with the leadership style if you could teach your kids to just rise above i mean they're gonna they, they want to make you happy and they want to please you and they want right. to make sure that they meet these expectations right and so you talked about that earlier like how, how did you deal with with those type of situations with my father and so um it, it's it's i guess that that does more work um, more positive than, than, you know, being that, that dictator that just like do this, shut up because I say, and, you know, being mindful of your word usage, because, you know, those type of things really create harm and trauma. Yeah. Talking about putting fear into your kids, that definitely will, um, eventually because, and then just turn them off. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to, they're going to make them go somewhere else for, for guidance, um, in a way because they have no reasoning. Oh man, guys. Well, it looks like we're having some technical issues. I think his phone might've died because well, obviously this time it kicked them off of zoom, but anyways, man, really great. Uh, talking to my boy, Kareem Gongora. Um, great dad. Like I said, follow him. He's doing things, positive things for the community. Uh, he's in taking, you know, responsibility as far as leadership. And, uh, I hold that guy very, very high, you know, on a pedestal and, um, you know, he's got a great upbringing, as you can tell, and as you listen to for the last hour here or so. Um, that's going to do it for us here for this week. Different Shades of Dad. Please share this. Get the word out. If you know that uh, know someone who might be interested or, you know, has an interesting testimony that they'd like to come on and share with me. Hey, I'd love to hear from them. I'd love to, you know, chit chat a little bit. I got more red cups to go with that. And uh, let's just compare apples to apples or even apples to oranges. You know what I'm saying? Like I always say, you can email me ODM. 991 at gmail.com. It's always in the description. And uh, I want to thank you once again for uh, taking time to listen to this. And uh, please subscribe to the podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on um, Apple Podcasts. We're on um, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, even um, on YouTube, ODM Show. That's my YouTube channel here. Different Shades of Dead, man. We'll catch you guys next week. Love y'all. Time to step it up and be a role model. Do the best you can. Keep that hand on the throttle. It starts with the will. Guidance will continue. Different shades of dad because the dad lives in you.